0: Goldie, the gopher has been shut down, and we are straight on to the Oregon Ducks. This is the 11 Dubcast. I'm co-host Andy Vance, and I got to tell you, I am beside myself with joy to welcome back my partner in crime, the stunning, the intelligent, the brilliant Johnny Ray Ginter, the new father, if I can break Matt. some moves on the Dubcast. Johnny, it's uh, all hyperbole aside, it's darn good to have you back, my friend. And And I purposefully, and, and I should apologize to the audience because I didn't. Uh, explain why you were on a brief hiatus and it was for <laughs> all good things uh, and and my intent in not mentioning it was to let you have your personal life and uh you know not no, be sharing news for you on behalf of the uh, the public and then and then i realized some very loyal and astute <laughs> listeners hit you up on the twitter.com so so tell us my friend how is that dad life going?
1: It's good. Um, I first of all thank you very much for all of that, and I'm I'm very happy to be back. And thanks, by the way, to Kevin for stepping in while I uh, was indisposed. Uh, we we have a newborn son, and he's very rambunctious and anxious, and you know he, he just he got to be into everything. So you know it, it takes two to to raise one. So we're uh, we're on it, and it's fun. But I'm back. I'm back on the Dubcast, and it's it's cool stuff. Um, you know here's the thing and, and and I will say this real quick aside about parenthood fatherhood all that stuff I am extremely excited right to have a newborn and, and to, to be a father and have a son all that kind of stuff that's really really cool. But honestly, what's the best part about it is able to just like weave it into every single bit of every conversation that I will have for the rest of my life. Like I get I'm taking so many pictures and keeping so many like mementos and stuff. I will have a like an icebreaker until the day I die. I don't have to worry about social anxiety anymore because I'll just talk about my son all day. and It'll be great. So I'm, I'm very excited about that part. And I will be milking uh, the experience for all it's worth um, for sympathy, free food, all that kind of stuff. So it's been, it's been going pretty well, I think. Uh,
0: I, I'm, I'm tickled beyond belief for you because I, I say frequently that being a daddy is literally the best thing I've ever done. Uh, it's, it's the best thing, uh, that is, is, has happened, will happen, is happening in my life. So welcome, welcome to the club, my friend. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, yeah. And, and I, and I know, I know, that there will be a lot of dads uh, who will listen to this who can identify as well and are, are super happy for you also. So uh, good, good, uh, good on you mate and good luck. Uh, they don't come with an instruction manual, but <laughs> at the same time, a lot of us poor dumb schlubs have gotten this far without a manual. You're going to be just great. Let's get into this uh, big news this week. <laughs> Football is back baby. And the Buckeyes, you know, didn't look half bad on the road under the lights Thursday night, Season opener against a not terrible Big Ten opponent in Minnesota. <laughs> Let's give your instant reaction to the game. How was that for you?
1: It was fine. I I, I actually would quibble a little bit with your uh, phrasing where you say they didn't look half bad. I think they did look half bad. I think like they looked very good on offense and then kind of bad on defense. And that's fine. I don't really have a problem with that because they were missing, obviously, their starting corners You know, for nebulous reasons. we don't really know why. We could probably guess, but we don't know. Um, But offensively, once they realized that they were like, okay, we actually have to play some football, then they immediately started playing some football. And what's funny is, is like the national conversation around this is really one of those Rorschach tests where you're going to see what you want to see, right? And Ohio State fans, I think at least offensively, would look at the first half and go, oh, crap. If they can't turn it on, then we're going to be really upset. And of course, they did turn it on. And then you go, okay, well, they can do this whenever they feel like, and, you know, you've got a new starting quarterback. You have to deal with the fact that you're losing or, you know, what evolved into a really great running back. And a lot of those questions were answered. You still have an incredible wide receiver core. CJ Stroud settled down and did really, really well in the second half and just threw nothing but touchdowns basically. And offensively, I think you're solid defensively. That's where I think people can, Maybe be a little bit nervous. And you know, Tanner Morgan's a really uh experienced quarterback. I don't think he's a particularly good quarterback. And and actually, you know, I don't think the concern for the defense really was the past defense. I thought they did okay against Tanner Morgan. It's just that positional concerns. Scheme wise, all that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that really kind of bothers me long term because it feels like they should be more proactive than reactive on defense. They should be the one setting the pace and the tone and against Minnesota. It really seemed like the Gophers were the team that kind of dictated the pace when they were on offense and that that bothers me a little bit. I I feel like Ohio State shouldn't be in that position given the talent they have on defense.
0: You know, the other thing I was thinking about when you uh, when you quibbled with my phrasing about not half bad and that they're they're, uh, you know, OK on defense and not OK on uh, OK on offense and not OK on defenses. You know, you could flip that around as they were they were uh, kind of bad in the first half and pretty good in the second half. You yeah, know, there's there's another way to cut that yeah. because, it, you know, they I joked for a lot of years, um, particularly, you know, it seemed like during the Urban Meyer era, a lot of times they would come out. And just feel kind of sluggish and then beat the holy living Dickens out of people in the second half. So mm. so the stunning Mrs. Vance has kind of rolled her eyes at me for years saying, ah, we're a second half ball club, ah, we're a second half ball club, because you just knew they could do it. And man, this was this was the perfect example of that where, you know, how many people in our comments section or on Twitter we're ready to fire CJ Stroud at halftime, and you know, <laughs> pull his scholarship, send him, send him off. The Wasn't that always going to happen, though? Too. Oh my like, God! Yes, of course. Anybody who followed, you know, and that's the thing. You know, again, we've been singing Justin Fields' praises here in, in the NFL preseason because sure. of how good he has looked in NFL preseason, and I, I think you know, he, Trevor Lawrence, there are a couple guys like that that come along you know, every few classes, there's generational talents, right? And you don't get a gen- – and Ohio State has been especially spoiled at quarterback to have – I mean, just look, just look at the run of success. Like, when people look at JT Barrett and say, yeah, he's the worst quarterback we've had in the last X number of years, like, okay, that's a pretty high bar to clear, right? right. Because there are, you know, 99% of programs in the uh, football bowl subdivision who would take JT Barrett – like, would sell their mother to have JT Barrett as their quarterback. And we kind of look at that as – like, oh gosh, you know that was that was the worst quarterback of the last X number of years, right? Because, but mm-hmm. Justin Fields came out, and that's one of the things I kept seeing people in the comments or on Twitter comparing Stroud's first game to Justin Fields' first game, and I'm like, that's not a fair comparison because Fields had experience at the college level before. This is CJ Stroud's like first real start. You know, he what hadn't mean?
1: thrown a pass in college football until they played on Thursday. Like that's, I mean, that, that's significant. I understand that, you know, you've got these highly rated dudes and you expect them to come in and just kick ass immediately. But uh, that, that means something, especially when you are on the road and charged environment, you know, everybody's back in the stadium. You're not going to just turn it on and be amazing from the first snap that very rarely happens. Um, I, I thought he played well. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand that he was a little hyped up and you see some of the overthrows and whatnot, uh, the guy's got a live arm. Um, he made pretty good decisions in general, and I just think he's going to get better. I, I think the guys a really, really solid quarterback. I understand that when, he has a shaky beginning. You're going to have Ohio state fans immediately calling for whoever the hell they think should be there. And and
0: especially with the quarterback room that Ohio state has, every game is going to be overreaction. Exactly. You know, guy throws throws a pick at Benjamin, bring in yours up guy, you know, guy overthrows Chris. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's going to happen every single bad play. So you, the listener who is uh, an astute, intelligent fan of the local football team by dint of the fact that you listen to the dubcast. Don't be that person, right? Don't be that person Uh, to talk about Stroud's first night and what an interesting experience it was. Bill, Bill Connolly, who's been referenced on this program any number of times, put out uh, Stroud's passing map on Twitter, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, it, you know, his takeaways, one, were how good Ohio State is is using the screen as mm-hmm. what he described as an extension of the running game. So,
1: Which is Bill- such, such a good way to phrase that. That is absolutely yeah. true, and it it is very – I love and, and kind of baffled by their success, but I love the fact that they're able to throw those little out routes to Olave – two yards down the field and then he's able to take it for like 10 or 12 yards every time it's the way it's blocked the way it's designed is so so well done and he's absolutely right it's basically just an extension of the running game it extends the field it makes the defense force to play those edges more and it gives guys like Mayan Williams a lot more space in the interior so I I absolutely agree with him on that That's a perfect
0: way to put it you look at the chart 10 completions for 140 yards for passes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage right and so there's one One, uh, incompletion, one of those 10 completions was a touchdown. Then, Mm. then if you go out into that intermediate range, very few passes, interestingly enough, kind of in that, uh, 10 to 30 yard range. And, and most of them were incomplete. Of course, the pick everybody will focus on was the one right in the middle between the hashes. And oddly enough, that was his only pass in between the hashes. Uh, and then when you went downfield passes 10 or more yards downfield, three of nine for 150 yards with three touchdowns and a pick. So, so those passes you talked about where he overthrew his guys, I think a few times there uh, I, I really feel like he's going to settle down into those. Cause clearly he's got yeah. the arm to make them. And you, you'd probably rather him overthrow guys than underthrow them and risk a pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, but I just look and say, Hey, a cat, a cat in his first start throws four touchdowns, you know, it's darn near 300 yards passing. Hey, We'll let him ride. That's yeah, pretty you, good.
1: You take that every day and twice on Sundays. That that is that's not a bad performance at all. Um, and again, <laughs> to have a guy come in and his first collegiate start, first pass, right? First pass ever in college football, and be able to do that kind of stuff to me is is pretty darn special. And does that mean he's gonna be great for the rest of the season? No, and you know people were saying like well i like mccord I like yours that's fine and and it's okay to say maybe stroud isn't working out at some point later on in the season but for right now that's something that he can build on and continue to really grow with and by the way stroud i was really impressed too by what he was saying after the game is post game interviews things like that uh press conference where he's like fully acknowledging you know what he did well what he didn't do well the fact that he needs to lean on his really excellent veteran wide receivers who, you know, sometimes we go into a season and we hype dudes up and then we're disappointed a little bit because it doesn't turn out the way we really wanted to. You're not going to see that with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. <laughs> they, they, Chris Olave, I got to say, is probably the best wide receiver in college football. Um, but Garrett Wilson, is right up there with them. And I don't know what you do about those two dudes. Uh, Even, even on a night where you've got a quarterback who is not really settled yet. He's only making, you know, 13 completions or whatever. Chris Lovett caught four balls for 117 yards. (laughs) He's averaging 30 yards a catch. Are you kidding me? That's insane. That is absolutely crazy bonkers. And you're going to probably just see a lot more of that um, for the rest of the season. So, I you know I, I feel like Oregon's unnoticed right now they they they're hurting a little bit um, you know literally and metaphorically and I'm curious to see how this next game turns out because this might be a coming out party in a lot of ways for uh, for Stroud I think
0: well, well let's and we'll, I want to talk more about Oregon in a minute um, but but I want to go through this offense a little further because I I'm with you. Wholeheartedly, Chris Olave is the best wide receiver in the country, and and mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, His stat line to me: number one, you know, four, four catches uh, out of six targets, I think was the was or or six catches out of eight targets, something like that. I mean, just almost every time he threw to him, you know, Olave makes money. Yeah. The 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 thing I thought was interesting was the disparity in the number of times that he targeted Garrett Wilson. Wilson had a far larger number of targets. So I, mm. I you know I, I don't know how much I read to that after one game. It's a pretty small sample size. You know, is did Stroud and Wilson just have that have that kind of connection that he feels more comfortable targeting? Is that a schematic thing that, you know, he did those were the the throws he felt really comfortable with. Um that's something I'm gonna find interesting to watch to see because I, I'm with you. Garrett Wilson, God, you know, and and here to to underscore how good Ohio State's wide receiver room really is the guy who felt compelled to leave Ohio State's wide receiver, <laughs> mm-hmm. former OSU wide receiver Jameson Wilson, Williams rather scored a 94-yard touchdown in his first game in Alabama. He looked
1: good, by the he way, looked, he he beta, great. sure. He looked really good. He looked, good. Really he looked good. like a, a WR1 for that team. Um, which again, I mean, he's he's incredibly talented. He's gonna do really well there. I don't think there was any doubt about that. Uh, but you're right. Like Jackson Smith and Juba, you know, again, not a dude who showed up huge on the stat line, but he's going to be a giant factor, uh, throughout the season. There's just a lot of talent. I mean, you know, Marvin, Marvin Harrison, Jr. Like that, just the name alone. You're like, all right, well, that dude's eventually going to catch a thousand yards. So there's just so much there to work with. The running game is something that is really fascinating to me. And this was a question on the round table that uh, Chris Lutterbeck asked of us, which is like, how, how are those carries going to be split? Um, you know, chop got most of the carries. My Williams got nine carries He went for 125 yards. He also, he obviously had that really huge run, that 71 yarder in the first quarter, which was hilarious because again, the guy's like five foot, nothing and 300 pounds and just, he has such good feet. I mean, it, he really does a good job in space for the guy, for a guy that kind of size. Um, but even if you take away that huge run, he was still averaging like six, you know, and three quarters of pop. So he had a great night. Um, I think master Teague probably at this point is, is gotta be, you know, number three on the list. And then, you know, <laughs> Trayvon Henderson, not huge in the running game, but then you throw that little, uh, that little flare out there. And he just, I, I thought he was dead to rights, 20 yards down the field. He was surrounded by four or five Minnesota defenders. And then he just hit the NOS button and blasted through all of them. And that was, that was sick. That was probably my favorite play of the night because I, I could not believe that he was able to, to reach that kind of acceleration that quickly. That was pretty amazing. Um, It'll be really hard to keep that dude off the stat line off the field. Even if uh, my William's is doing great, which I thought he did. I thought he had an incredible night.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I mean I think I think to me, you know, watching them, William Williams your first guy, but then it's it's really clear uh, Master Teague is not your two and the one two punch, you no. know. And he's I, not a I,
1: terrible player. No, I, I, I know I know people at crap all. on and, the dude. And that's and, and and the
0: thing like you can tell how much it, I I read I read the comments, you know, never read the comments. I read the comments right. and I, and I read the 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 Twitter chatter. It is apparent that Buckeye Nation has the utmost respect for Master Teague. Like people yeah. have been Midwestern nice <laughs> about saying that this guy <laughs> should be third on the depth chart. Right. Um right. The, but- the the thinly veiled, like okay. <laughs> You know, because, because because oh, look, we love we, you, but okay, no, no. But I mean, because think about this: like we were just talking, people were unabashed in saying Ben Stroud, but oh, but sure. nobody's saying it in those unvarnished terms about Master Teague. Like people love this guy, yeah, but he's well, not he's not RB number one. I mean, said the I mean, thing he about Chop's the guy that's going to get bo- most of the carries, yeah. But
1: the expectation is just so high. If if Master Teague was on Michigan, he'd be the starting running back. I mean, oh, that's yeah, absolutely, easily, and and that's the thing. Because when you're looking at a guy, you know, Trey Sermon who just broke the single game rushing record right last season, which was freaking amazing. And then you've got JK Dobbins running for 2000 yards, right? In a season and setting all these records and whatnot, the expectations are just unbelievably high. And Trayvon Henderson's to do with the pedigree, and obviously showed what he can do against Minnesota. He's going to be fantastic. But yeah, but right now I think what you want is consistency, and you want a guy who can really help CJ Stroud out by making yeah. sure that you can get into you know second and short or at least second and manageable.
0: And and you set up those play action passes. Yeah. That Ohio State has made so much bread and butter. Um, you know, I mean, Ryan day's playbook, I mean, it's just, it's, it, you set it up with a strong ground game and, and let's add to this, the wrinkle, how good was Ohio state's offensive line?
1: Oh, they're well run run blocking. They're just road graders. I mean, those guys were incredible. I mean, opening up the, you know, we, we give a lot of credit to a guy like Maya Williams for running through a hole. That's literally eight feet wide. (laughs) Like it's still got to do it. It's not something that just happens, but yeah, the, the offensive line was really, Really good, and especially for a new starting quarterback, I, I think that's a big safety blanket for him because um, that's that's tough stuff. And you know, Minnesota's they're a Big Ten team. They're not amazing, but they're they're still pretty darn competent. And this is supposed to be like a rebound season for them. Um, and I thought the offensive line did a great job. Uh, you know, I don't know it's funny because I'm right in threat level mission. And one of the things I'm trashing Michigan for is having a great game against Minnesota and the first game of 2020. And then literally the only game they won for the rest of the season was against Rutgers. So I'm a little wary of putting too much stock into a victory over Minnesota, but I, I still think they're a good team. You're on the road, um, bad conditions, you know, it wasn't great weather wise. I, I think Ohio state did a really good job offensively. I will say though, again, you know, Muhammad Ibrahim, getting hurt in the third quarter. I mean, obviously Minnesota leaned hard on him. He had 30 carries by the time he got injured and it's freaking sad as hell that that dude is going to be out for the rest of the season because he's an incredible player. And I just think PJ Fleck just rode him right into the ground. It, he, there's no reason to give him that guy that many carries. I understand you're trying to stay in the game, but, and I know he's a workhorse. The guy has had tons of carries over the years, but I just think that was a mistake. You've got yeah, to try I to mean, let. Well, Tanner, Morgan, I, I, that's what I, I'm saying, though. Tanner Morgan is supposed to be your dude. He's been there forever. He's the guy who is supposedly the leader of your team. Make him make some damn plays. Don't ride this guy who really need to rely on for the rest of the season. Don't grind him into dust in the third quarter against the first team that you're playing all season. Yeah, that's all I'm
0: I, I, I I get that. At the same time, I also know, you know, they're – the whole strategy there was trestle ball, right? You know, I, sure. I mean, that's you, you think about his, his pedigree and what they, and it's, it's going to be run the ball, control the clock, you know, play field position. yeah, And, and that's fine. Especially and I mean, and they State. did control the clock. I mean, you think about the time of possession there. I mean, I just, I remember that first drive and Minnesota eats nearly six minutes uh, of clock there. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is exactly what I expected, you know, tre- flex version of, of trestle ball that we're just going to, mm. we're going to, we're going to ground and pound for <laughs> six minutes and what, what they, you know, they end up with a field goal there. They coughed the They coughed the ball up. How yeah. that, I don't remember how that drive ended. Not in, not in a touchdown, um, but yeah. And then, you know, the second half got Ohio state, had the ball, what I don't know, like five minutes or something, it seemed like, and <laughs> scored four touchdowns. I mean, they were scoring at an obscenely, you know, fast, fast pace. So, so I knew that was the, I hear what you're saying. I, I do. It is, it is first game of the season. And, you know, it was last, last year. I, I wonder too, cause there were a lot of guys around college football. Uh, injured over the weekend. And, and yeah. I just wonder, you know, last season being what it was, how far back did COVID set all of college football? Oh, I'm, I'm sure it was, it's going to have reverberations for a long time.
1: I, that's, that's the thing people don't really, I mean, you look at the NBA, right. As an example where it's just like, you saw NBA stars just dropping like flies because everything was so condensed. And then they started up again, right away. There's just, yeah. There's a lot going on there. And um, I think that's impacting college football too. And it sucks because like I said, I want to see a guy like Muhammad Ibrahim um, play. I want to see yeah, for sure. someone that talented. And the other thing is again, for Minnesota, they don't have a replacement for him. If Myon Williams goes down, right. Ohio state can rely on Trayvon Henderson. Trayvon yeah. Henderson goes down. Master T still a pretty damn good player. Right. Right. Minnesota can't do that. Yep. And it sucks because I think, A, he's an electric player. There's a lot of fun to watch. And B, Minnesota had a chance to be a fairly decent team this year. That completely changes the tenor of their entire season. And I get that you want to, like, try to, you know, slow down Ohio State and maybe try to, you know, sneak off a win or something against them. That's fine. I I think that's, that's good. But don't do it at the expense of the entire rest of your season. Um, and I, I know you can't plan for injuries. It's not like P.J. Fleck was like, I, I see this guy like cracking, and I'm just going to send him out there. It's not a situation with Brady Hoke sending a dude who's obviously concussed back into the game. <laughs> it's not like that, right? But you got to be smart. And I, I don't know. I would just, I'm just really sad that he got injured. And like you said, there's a number of other guys in college football this weekend who uh, who got hurt, and it sucks. Michigan it really star sucks.
0: wide receiver Ronnie Bell out yeah, for the season with a knee, which injured. blows because he was. Electric
1: in that game against Western Michigan, he was doing some really amazing things, and now he's gone. The entire season, he's he's not going to be on that team, and it, it really sucks because you want to see players like that doing cool things, and uh, it's it's really unfortunate.
0: I, I want to um, go back to Ohio State's offensive line because we started down that, and then and we got we we got to talking about a few other things. Um, I, I was really impressed with the offensive line. Not you know not that I think. Not that I think necessarily that Minnesota is going to be, you know, the best defense that the Buckeyes will face all year, although, um, you know, I don't think they're scrubs either, mm-hmm. but I thought this, our, our, our colleague Griffin on the beat team uh, noted this on Twitter, and I thought it was a really good, uh, kind of an underrated stat. Ohio State gave up sacks in every game of the 2020 season. They gave up zero against Minnesota, mm-hmm. and and one of our commenters pointed out, and I hadn't really thought about it, um, but they have commented on on uh, Griffin's tweet. Um, didn't think the offensive line had any penalties against Minnesota either, and I had to think about it. I'm like, I don't think I saw, you know, holding or or uh, offsides or anything goofy like that. And those are kind of some of those things that you you just know, sort of have gotten used to, as good as Ohio State's offensive line has been. Uh, and particularly then when you think about is that uh, you had Whipler filling in at center well um
1: i was about to say I feel like that might have contributed in some ways to the to that uh, happening uh, harry miller unfortunately
0: is, as much as you like harry miller can can be a a full start machine at times so I I I walked away from this feeling pretty good about not that I thought Ohio State's offensive line was going to be you know a weakness by any stretch. I thought it was going to be a strength of the team, but I walked away I think even more impressed than I was prepared to. You know, I had high expectations or high hopes and and I think they fulfilled them and that that gives me hope again back to how good this team can be offensively. I think they can be really 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 good offensively. Oh yeah. Yeah, they've got all the tools
1: and you know, Stroud gets some more experience under his belt. I think they're going to be excellent. They're going to be very good The the question of course is just, is the defense going to be up to the challenge, especially when you're getting to some of these teams that will be a, a bit more difficult to handle offensively because they will be a little bit more multiple and you know, that you can't, you'll, you'll have to basically pick your poison with some of these teams and you know, that may be a little bit further down the line and we'll see how the, the, uh, the defense evolves over the course of the season. But I I'm a little bit worried. It's hard. I don't know. I, this is my question to you, Andy. How much can you really draw, I guess, conclusion-wise about this defense, given the fact that they were rotating so many guys, they had to leave a bunch of people home. Um, I I am a little bit negative on the defense, obviously, because I'm not super happy with their performance, but I also don't think it's necessarily the final word on this unit because there's, there's just not a whole lot I feel like I can draw from this game, given how many people were rotating and what they were doing in terms of like substitutions and scheme yeah. and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm going to, I know that there's going to be a segment of the fan base that is not going to be happy about this, but I really struggle with the fact that we have had some exceptional defensive coaching um, in the defensive backfield and and the defensive coordinator position and, and love Kerry Coombs, though I do. I don't know that I think he is quite up to the snuff of his predecessors. Uh, no, and, I don't and, think so either. And, and I don't know that I'm just being like crazy pessimistic to say that. Uh, am Am I saying, you know, leave the guy uh, in Minneapolis and don't put him on the bus home? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm I'm also saying, man, there have been some guys that have walked out the door over the last four years that um, I think you're really missing right now from a coaching yeah. standpoint. because Because I, I feel like, you can make you can make some bones about the talent, and you could say, "Well, there's some guys that have gone off to play in the NFL that Ohio State's really missing." That there's some guys that you know, if you'd have had them another year, you know, maybe that's part of it. But you're able to recruit four and five star guys at uh, at a super high level. Um, I guess one caveat I'll throw in there in terms of your question about how much can you draw from Minnesota for how good or bad the defense is. You know, Kyle Jones made a really good case in his film study this week that, and I was one. It was just like going nuts that they couldn't stop the Minnesota run game at all um and and Jones makes the point that we're not going to see another offense quite like Minnesota's uh at all using the yeah. example number one lining up with seven offensive linemen and a tight end <laughs> you know there's big enough to play I like this quote a tight end big enough to play center for many FBS programs right so the combined size—I think I had read this more than once—that this would be the biggest offensive line. Oh yeah, that Minnesota will play all, or that Ohio State will play all season long. Yeah, they huge, and, and so then they run these heavy packages with seven linemen and a big tight end. Uh, so you know, it's—they're monsters, right? So as mm. good as Ohio State's offensive line is, they're not trotting out seven of those guys on a regular basis just to run the football. So you know that's that's a different thing. So again, how much how much conclusion do I draw from that? Now the flip side of that is, um, you know, I was I was impressed with some of the guys that ended up playing in the backfield. There, uh, you look at uh, a guy like um, uh, Denzel Burke starting. You know, we didn't expect to see him starting at cornerback, and he ended up being uh, one of the you know one of the champions graded out as champion, and you know got got recognized for how well he played. I don't know how much conclusion I can draw from how well those guys played or didn't based on what you were saying earlier uh, about Minnesota's passing game. You know, like, right. I don't think this is the best passing attack we're going to see by any stretch of the imagination. Right. So, yeah, I share your concerns. I I think the defense has been a concern of mine for a while. Uh, coming into this season, my hope was that they could improve enough. Did I think they're suddenly going to be a championship caliber defense? Probably not in a single season without any – Massive changes in 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 coaching, teaching, strategy there, and so on. Um, but I I don't know that I have a good feel yet for how how much they've improved or not improved. Based yeah. on this very I, limited I, sample size, I will
1: say that I think there's a couple guys. If you're looking for individual players who stepped up and will step up and be really good. Maybe not. If, if you're looking at a unit or you're looking at a specific positional group or whatever, and you go, okay, I want to make sure these are the rocks. I don't know that you're necessarily going to find that. But if you're looking for individual players who are going to consistently play at a high level, I do think that there are a number of guys who will do that. I mean, Zach Harrison, obviously that strip sack was kick ass and you're like, oh, that's a little little Chase Young action. I I, I remember that. That's excellent. Um, I love seeing that that was kick-ass and I think he's going to continue to be a really, really good player. Uh, treasure Mitchell, I think had a really good game. He was everywhere doing, doing the stuff they need to do. Uh, you mentioned Burke Burke had a really great game too. And a guy putting in a really difficult situation. Um, that's good to see. And and not necessarily because, okay, those positions are fixed and now we don't have to worry about, but just because you want to see some stars step up and force, opposing offenses that take those guys into consideration when they're game planning, as opposed to just saying, okay, we're going to do what the hell we want. They're going to have to react to it. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've got some legitimate playmakers and uh, that's good that you, Ohio state, if you're trying to build on something, you want to have consistency production. And there's definitely some guys on that defense who can provide that. So I'm, I'm excited for that. And I like seeing that. And Haskell Garrett, I mean, just, you know, <laughs> The dude just kind of, he finds touchdowns. That's just what happens. And it's, it's, it's it's so fun to watch. I love that. I mean, that was,
0: that was the when Haskell the
1: rascal, Rascal, which by the way, fantastic, fantastic nickname. Fantastic nickname. I love it. I absolutely love it. Immediately monetized it.
0: Super smart. I love it. So good. So good. And, and, you know, that was, that was the play that when I was writing the debriefing this week, I said, that was the play when I said this game's over because, that, that was such a momentum shifter and yeah. in Ohio state, it felt like after that could play with the confidence that, you know, it, I think that put them up by 10 points at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, Minnesota got it back to seven, maybe for, for, for a brief moment, but at that point it was like, okay, Ohio state's got some mojo going. They'd clearly shrugged off the the slow start in the first half. Uh, and, and things are going well, you know, when you, when you get a bounce like that, that's just perfect. Uh, cause let's face it. I mean, that, that ball bounced right up into the bread basket and, mm-hmm. and my guy was gone, you know, so I right. love that. And Zach Harrison can't say enough about the guy defensive player of the game, Um, you know, just really sensational. And again, we've kind of been looking for him to fill that role. Right. You you thought maybe you'd see it last year um, and he has solid year. But but again, not Chase Young. This is this is the kind of stuff that you want to see. And. We, I think, have been thinking along the lines that, once again, Larry Johnson's defensive line would be exceptional. Hard to hard to determine how much of a pass rush you're going to have against Minnesota, particularly when you go back to talking about some of those jumbo sets that they're yeah. running up front. Uh, but I felt pretty good about the defensive line. And and I'm I guess the yeah, line
1: was good. They were disruptive.
0: Yeah, and I and I'm just I guess I'm kind of wait and see here yet, partly because you had guys that were unavailable. You had guys starting that we didn't expect to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had guys playing in positions you you know heck, could be talking about uh, Demario McCall. It could be talking about <laughs> Chambers. You know, it's like I yeah I don't know what to think about this yet. But Denzel Burke looked really good. Ha- happy for that guy. Uh, I. We'll wait and see. Oregon presents a much, much different test for this defense than Minnesota did any stretch of the imagination.
1: Yeah, that is absolutely true. And not, you know, you want to learn about this team. This is the, these are the, these are the teams that you have to play to find that stuff out. You know what I mean? Like that's that's why it's fun to play exciting games at the beginning of the season because you're not waiting around for a month and a half trying to figure out what your team is actually made of and who the players are that you should be paying attention to. Um, I, I love the fact that you've got these big games, and I, I really. I was a little skeptical of, of the, the early big 10 start, but I'm, I'm all in right now, man. I, I think it's fun as hell. I think that's great.
0: Yeah. what did you watch other than Ohio state? Uh, you, you know, I, I know, I know you're zoned in on that team up North because yeah. of your, your, your public service and delivering us the best series. The sites got running in threat level, Michigan. Mm. Uh, how are things going for our friends to the North? They're doing
1: alright right now and and obviously that's all with the giant caveat that they lost their best offensive player which really sucks. I mean we mentioned it earlier Ronnie Brown being out. Um I put in threat level this catch that was disallowed which is stupid. They called OPI on it which it was never offensive pass interference but um he was really really great until he went down and they got some other some good performances from other guys which People didn't expect uh, Blake Quorum, for example, who was just tragically bad in 2020, uh, came out and had an excellent game and did some really cool stuff. Um, I think the biggest thing for them, I don't know how sustainable their offense is, especially without Ronnie Bell. Uh, I think defensively, though, you know, a guy like Aiden Hutchinson can come out who he was a monster all game. He didn't have like incredible stats or anything like that, although I do think he did get a sack. Um, but he was just on every single play, just blowing up the line of scrimmage. Western Michigan had no answer for him whatsoever. Get, offensive linemen are completely whiffing on him. He was a monster. He was really, really good. And that's if Michigan's gonna be decent this season, because I think that's really their their ceiling. Um, it's gonna have to be on the back of their defense because Their offense is going to be up and down. People are like still screaming about JJ McCarthy throwing across his body and across the field. It's a huge touchdown, blah, blah, blah. whatever. I don't care about that. Um, I I do care about consistency when it comes to Michigan. As I said in threat level, (laughs) September – is is not where you should be making any kind of predictions about where the Michigan football team is going to end up at the end of the season because that can be extremely misleading when it comes to the Wolverine. so I, I refuse to buy into any kind of hype surrounding them and I still think you could all go south for them at any given time in 2021
0: I mean that's but, the worst part you know and I say this tongue-in-cheek and I'm going to feel <laughs> immediately bad for saying it but I'm like that's the worst part about uh, losing Ronnie Bell is no September Heisman you know that was, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I shouldn't I'm going to go to hell for saying that well uh, and but, the
1: thing but, is though is like you didn't even know and again i'm not trying to be callous i, I really do wish ronnie bell was still playing yeah i, I, I wish and him. And best and I, I hate, yeah even for a well, michigan player well, I hate my point is is that injury it's terrible right but my point is is that ronnie bell you he could have come out next week and had zero catches and done nothing on the field like you have no idea because that's been the biggest problem with Michigan under Jim Harbaugh is that week to week, there is zero consistency. Like you have no idea what's up now they They got Washington who just lost to Montana of all teams, which is hilarious. Um, so Washington can come in really pissed off and give them a game or Washington come in and they're like, our season's over and Michigan beats them by 50. But the point is, is that it feels so much like under the Harbaugh kind of regime uh, there's been no plan. You you go out, you have kind of an idea about the way the game's going to go, and then they just kind of wing it. And it's not it's not that they don't have good players. It's just that they have no idea what they're doing. And in the same kind of frustration that people have had with Ohio State's defense sometimes under Kerry Combs, imagine if that was the entire team, right? Where you're like, damn, if these guys could just be in the right position or if we just had some kind of idea about what we're doing basis. This team could be really, really good. That's how Michigan fans feel all the time. And for me, it's, it's funny in a tragic comic way, because you see guys who ostensibly are like these world beating, you know, all-star athletes, you know, Julius Peppers, all this stuff, all these other guys, you see them and you're like, wow, (laughs) they're going to be drafted really high in the NFL. But for the meantime, they're going to be stuck on this team for three years and have no idea what's going on. Um, And I don't know. Maybe they figured it out. Michigan brought in a lot of good coordinators. Uh, they brought in some new blood. They fired Don Brown. They brought in uh, a guy from the Ravens to do their defensive, um, you know, coordination stuff. So that might change things, um, but I'll believe it when I see it. And that's going to require them to put together an undefeated September, which they still might do. Um, but I, I got to see them be consistent on more than a just a week to week basis which they haven't done under Harbaugh. That's the thing. That's really been their problem. It hasn't been like, okay, this team's going to be really good from September through November. That just hasn't been the case with Michigan. So.
0: I, uh, yeah, I'm, it, it's too early for me to get real worked up about this. And, and I get kind of a kick out of the reactions and overreactions that, we as fans of this crazy, stupid, fun, insane sport of college football have after a single week, uh, you know, you, you're talking about Michigan. I was also thinking about Indiana, how hyped up? Oh, geez. we were for the Hoosiers. I say, we just meaning fans in general and and people who follow the big 10 or the big 10 East, cause Indiana had a great season, right? Indiana yeah. got some things going for him and Indiana looked flat, terrible over the weekend. Uh, yeah, Iowa I, just I, sits on their head and kills them. Like I don't the the Indiana hype train has crashed into the station, right? Um, and that's you know, and that was kind of the story of college football in general
1: this past weekend. It was really weird. There was a lot of, I don't think anybody actually expected Miami Alabama to be a game. I mean, I certainly didn't. I no, mean, no this cakewalk for Alabama. But you know, Georgia Clemson, which is the, I am so sick of teams in the SEC ACC getting away <laughs> with putting together the same kind of game that we saw against Penn state in Wisconsin, just in different uniforms in a different location. Georgia Clemson
0: was Penn state, Wisconsin. It was the same. It game. was the
1: same game. It was the same freaking game. You're like, wow, Georgia's defense. So amazing. I'm like, yes. yeah, they're pretty good. But <laughs> is it because Clemson looks like ass right now offensively? Cause I feel like that's probably a large part of it. they their offensive line, Clemson's offensive line is terrible right now, and they were really bad against Ohio State. Um, you know, and they don't have Trevor Lawrence back there to bail them out when they just you know let five dudes blow by them in, in coverage. So I, you know, I think a lot of this is part of it. A lot of it's preseason hype, right? We we want to see these teams. Okay, That's the primetime game, so we're gonna you know try to justify the terribleness of what we're watching, but. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that I think people will be surprised about. And there are a lot of teams that people will say, huh, they're actually bad. And that's that's fine. And that's
0: fine. I just love that. You know, all of a sudden we're going to be like, oh, Georgia's clear, the clear number two in the nation. I'm like, okay. um, Look, Clemson sucks, guys. Yeah, like, let's just let's just put this out there: they are not going to be good this year. Uh, yeah, and is is Georgia's offense that great? No, and, <laughs> sorry, and, they're not. And, yeah, I mean, look, that, that and, and, and here's the thing that's just going to grind my gears because Clemson is going to play this tissue soft schedule, right? Because the ACC ain't. That great. was their only game. That was basically their only game. That was it. That was it. And they and 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 they got you know, Clemson. They reminded me. Uh, you know, one of my favorite cartoons as a kid was foghorn leghorn and, you know, foghorn mm-hmm. leghorn did this deal. I don't know. I don't know if you remember this, but foghorn leghorn, there was always that hound dog, right? Yeah. The yeah, yeah, hound yeah. dog and he would sneak up to the hound dog and he would lift him up by the tail and paddle his ass yeah. with the two before. Yeah. And yes. that's what Georgia did. Signature right. So I'm, I'm like, look, okay. So, so they stink up the joint against Georgia uh, who only managed to score what? I mean, what, what what did Georgia score? Not much, not much. And now we're gonna. Now they're gonna go through because who else is good in the ACC? Who else? Because because it ain't North Carolina. Did you watch that game? Um, God, that was. Bad. It ain't Miami. Did you watch that game? You know, so I okay. I guess Florida State. You know looked okay against Notre yeah. Dame. The I,
1: college kickered themselves out of an upset, which I, is really
0: unfortunate. I, but. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Is Florida State back? I, <laughs> I don't no, know, whatever. Uh, so look, I'm, but, but, but what we're going to do is now Clemson's going to go and and look competent against those teams. Mm-hmm. And also we're like, oh, yes. Yeah, so it's Clemson's going to, no, 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 that's I'm I, we're, we're not having it. We're going to be the voice of reason this season. I just hope, I just hope in whatever poll comes out
1: that somebody gets really smart or somebody's and maybe Ryan Day, I don't know, coaches' poll, whatever, uh, and and puts Clemson at number 11. I feel I, like I, that, yes. I feel like that is an appropriate spot for that team. And I truly believe that they are the 11th best team in the country. Right there you now. go. And I think that's, I think that's fair. And I think it into, now, if, it into existence. Now, if Dabo actually wanted to get back in my good graces, that's he would actually vote himself. Uh, <laughs> he would put Clemson at number 11. That would be very funny. And go I would and actually, own, have he, he's a troll. That.
0: Go ahead and own it. You know? Yeah. Be, be, I think, think that would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, so you mentioned Penn state, Wisconsin. Um, either of those teams. Any good? No. No, I mean, Penn State, you know, they've got some good wide receiver talent, but they don't have anybody to throw to it. Um, uh, we, we already talked about Indiana. So I guess in the West, we're going to pencil in. I mean, Nebraska, not good. No, uh, not, oh God, sure Nebraska. Scott, not, not sure how Scott Frost still has a job. We talked about that last week <laughs> on the show with Kevin. Um so I guess we're penciling in Ohio state, Iowa in the big 10 championship game.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to do that after the
0: first week, but just no, 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 do it, with, it now. Do it now. We got to have, okay,
1: let's do it now. This, then is, yes, this is college that's what we're sports. Doing.
0: It's just got to, got to put down your markers now. All right. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I,
1: and I don't, you know, you look at a Ohio state schedule overall and you're like, okay, well, there are places that they could trip up or stumble or whatever. That's, that's bound to happen. But it's just hilarious to me to see some of these other teams fall flat on their faces and you spend so much time hyping it up. And like the case with Indiana that you brought up is probably the best one of this because Indiana, you know, gives Ohio state a game in 2020. And it's like, all right, man, that's setting us up. Look, we're dangerous. We're dangerous now. And then nothing. Um, And that tells you how hard it is to be consistently good at college football and why there really is only maybe, you know, three or four teams that can consistently stay at the top because it's mm-hmm. just, there's, there's more parody I think than people like to admit, but not enough to really knock over the Ohio States and the Alabama's. And even, you know, we just crashed on them, but the Clemson's or Georgia or Oklahoma's of the world. And again, in Oklahoma, almost lost, you know,
0: almost lost a replacement it. home game to Tulane. Like I was I pulling know. for Tulane so hard there. And I don't have any special hate against Oklahoma, but you know, that, that chaos craziness of college football, Uh, you know, and by and large, as I was looking through the big 10 scores by and large, you know, things went, things went pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. you, you look at, uh, you look at Maryland, uh, getting its out of conference win against West Virginia while oh uh, I was God. very sad for the stunning Mrs. Vance because she is a, a proud West Virginia native. Yeah. Uh, you know, good on Maryland. That was an interesting game down to the wire. Uh, y- you know, you mentioned Michigan. Rutgers uh, just beat the brakes off Temple. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, that was wild. Like, you know, hey, Greg Schiano, I mean, man, uh, dude, dude had him chopping wood. Uh, Illinois, on the other hand, <laughs> our old friend Burt uh, things did not go so well for Burt and the Fight in and I. Yeah, uh, but you know Purdue wins its out of conference matchup against Oregon State. Not not bad there. And yes, I was bagging on Nebraska. They did manage to beat Fordham. Uh, fifty-two to seven. I think anything worse than that would have been cause for yeah,
1: no
0: uh, Scott Frost to finally get uh, get canned there in the parking lot. Um, you know, again, what conclusions we draw? I to me, it's it's Ohio State, Iowa. Now, uh, are your your leaders out of the clubhouse in their respective divisions? And uh, I'll be curious to see if anything comes next weekend to make me make me change that much at, at all uh well, before we get into oregon we'll finish up talking about uh, previewing the oregon game let's uh, turn our attention to ask us anything it's a good time to remind you that the dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com hats t-shirts stickers fine barware, everything for the discerning fan of the scarlet and gray athletic programs and teams are for you there at the taking at dot com. By early buy often tis the season the season is here Mm. Go and shop. You know, you'll love it. All right, Johnny, what do you have for us? At uh, Ask us anything this week. The triumphant return of the man with the plan (laughs) in the mailbag, my friend. Uh,
1: So, yeah, let's let's do a little let's do a little ask us anything. And as a reminder, you can send us questions to ask us anything uh, by hitting us up on either twitter so at 11 dubcast or at our individual accounts um or via email to uh dubcast at 11 warriors.com let's we'll start off with a good friend alvin who wants to know uh Mayan williams said he ran quote the wrong way on that long td run and by the way if you watch the replay of that it's very obvious he does run the wrong way but i want to finish the question here should he have kept his mouth shut and i actually say no because if you watch that replay, yes, he definitely did not go the correct way on that play, but it's because he was instinctually going to where he had the biggest hole and the most room to run. So, no, he didn't do exactly what he was supposed to do, but I appreciate the fact that he bounced it outside knowing that he had enormous amount of you know space in front of him to, to make something happen. And that's okay. I don't have a problem with a running back, especially improvising like that. And especially if you have the, the kind of quick feet that he does and can make those things happen. Um, yeah, I, I think it's hilarious. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly kind of uh, excited about that kind of honesty. Uh, at a you know post game presser, I think that's great. I
0: love. Yeah, that. I, absolutely. No reason to keep that one in your pie hole because uh, you know if you can see it clearly on replay. And here and here's the other thing too, you know, for me it gives me some additional confidence because the thing that we have knocked, um, uh, we have knocked Master Teague about is is that he has no wiggle. He he you know poor guy. I mean has to stop and then change directions to be able to make a cut. Like it's just. So when you have a guy who can you go the wrong direction, recorrect and hit the hole, I you know, I, I love it. I'm, I'm all about it. And, and like, look, here's the thing. I, I respect coach speak as much as anything, but what's the point of having a press conference of guys just going to get up there and, you know, regurgitate Pablum, like, tell us, tell us what you want us to know. And if you want us to know that you're on the wrong way, hey, let's let's have it. I'm, I'm all about it. Brutal honesty, transparency, whatever you want to call it, let's do it. Makes it a far more interesting story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, and we've got a question of this from Nelson. Uh, this morning I watched 10 to 15 minutes uh, of highlights of Sparty versus Northwestern uh, and then VT versus UNC. Do you think this is the future? I've had enough of 60 minutes of football stretch out to fill four hours. I am not willing to pay for all the premium channels. With YouTube, I can see several games in the time for one and see games on conference networks that might be difficult to see in Central Ohio. By the way, I think there was – I actually think I watched the end of uh, Notre Dame and, uh, uh, oh God, why am I blank? We just talked about Florida it. State. Florida State. I watched that on YouTube. There was a channel that was streaming it. I don't know if they were supposed to or not, but it never got shut down. So that's why I watched it. Um, and then he also says, I think the Alliance uh, should put the college football playoff. Well, actually, so real quick about the Alliance stuff. We'll get into that next week a little bit because I, I'm curious. There's some doings of transpiring when it comes to um, – you know, kind of the narrative around the conferences pairing up. I want to talk about that next week, but I want to address, we'll, we'll do this one this week uh, and address the first part of your question, Nelson. Uh, do you think that the future, Andy, is you know, people kind of saying the hell with it. I'm not even, I'm not going to the games. Screw it. I'm not even going to watch the games. I'm just going to watch highlights on YouTube. That's that's what I want to check out.
0: I I don't think it's a crazy, I don't think it's a crazy prediction. Uh, You know, as much as it much as it bothers me to think about like, you know, so back to your, you use the people just going to say, heck, I'm not going to the game. Um, You know, we really had to think about it this year. Like, do we want to go to a game? Do we want to go to some games? Do we want to go what, you know, what kind of money do we want to spend to go to games? Uh, And, and it's, you know, partly back to that. So the thing you and I have talked about more than once over the past couple of years is the, the opportunity cost, not just the, physical cost, the the dollar cost, mm-hmm. going to a football game when I can sit, you know, in my living room in a very comfortable piece of furniture that I own and have, uh, you know, the foamy pop of my choice uh, at grocery store prices instead of right. know, stadium vendor prices and not be sitting, you know, out in the noonday sun in CDAC of the horseshoe in September and think I'm going to die of sunstroke. Uh, but rather have it a you know cool crisp sixty eight degrees in my living. I mean so that that's already a thing, right? So now mm. when you add to that, I, do I think I'm going to watch Ohio State games that way? No, I, I don't. Um, and and I'm one who still really enjoys uh, the call. So I enjoy listening to Gus. Oh sure, you know call the game. Uh, I, I I enjoy listening to the you know when when Kirk Herbstreet's on a game. I I enjoy listening to Kirk's analysis. I learn things from good color guys and there are some really good play-by-play and color teams out there. Right. I mean, I mean there's some terrible ones, but there are, oh, there are sure. a few guys. So, so I enjoy that and you lose that. Like I've gone back and watched some of the, you know, like big 10 and 60 uh, kind of recaps and, and where we're just seeing the highlights and I mean, you lose some of that, some of the the discussion and the context. Um, f- so for high state games, no, I don't, I don't see me watching a bunch of games that way. Catching other games, though, like the examples uh, from the question, yeah, actually, I think I could kind of see me watching more games in that context for other teams where I'm vaguely interested, but not enough to commit four hours. Right, right. Well, and that's that's the biggest thing. You know, there are definitely
1: games where I'm like, okay, I'll invest a certain amount of time in this. I'll, I'll sit down and watch it all night. Uh, but there are a lot of other games where, like, nah, I can catch, I can catch this later, and and that's one of the things that a lot of these channels and and um, networks are after, really kind of grapple with, because people may not want, as Nelson said, to sit down for four hours and watch an hour and a half or two hours worth of uh, of commercials to try to get to the game. Um, so I, I can kind of understand that, and it, there's this whole thing of like, all right, I'm going to vote my entire Saturday college football. People don't necessarily have time for that. Um, so I'll do that for Ohio state, but I got, I got things to do. I got a kid now. You got a kid now. I got a kid now. So, (laughs) so I, I, totally see that perspective and, um, I think it makes a lot of sense and we'll get to that second part of your question next week, but thank you so much for sending those in. Those are great questions and, uh, we'll keep
0: getting to them. All right, let's wrap this up with quick cows. Ohio State's win over Minnesota was the most watched Thursday season opener ever. I do get a kick out of all of the caveats that they put into this, but the moral of the story was that Thursday night was a certified banger, the third most streamed regular season college football game in Fox sports history. A little under 6.3 million viewers tuned in to watch the marquee matchup Thursday night. Doesn't surprise me at all. And we'll wrap up with this. Ohio State opens up as a 13-point favorite over Oregon. Johnny. Uh, let's, let, let's put this down to the brass tacks. How hype are you for this game? And, and do you think Ohio state covers a 13 point spread over the ducks at home?
1: Yeah. Super excited. Uh, the ducks did not look good. Um, at the, you know, in the beginning of the season, there, there were some things that they, they're going to have to contend with, uh, injury wise and whatnot. I don't, I think, but debito their, uh, lineman is not, um, lineman linebacker lineman. I was getting this mixed up. Um, but he's, you know, I, injury ankle sprain I don't know if he's going to be in it or not um they got a lot to overcome and I think Ohio State especially at home you know they're going to look they're going to look good so I I think they easily cover and I think that'll be a a fun game for Ohio State fans
0: yeah I totally agree and I thought this is pretty wild um I didn't realize this. this is one of those things I knew but Oregon is oh and nine versus Ohio State all time including postseason losses Uh, most recently, of course, in the national title game, but Mm. also in postseason in 2010, that was a great Rose Bowl. And uh, the 1958 Rose Bowl, which I missed, uh, I'm I'm, uh, sorry to say. Uh, So, yeah, Ohio State has done extremely well against Oregon and will be riding, I think, now a 23-game home win streak, which is pretty fantastic as well. Uh, I think Ohio State covers for the aforementioned reasons, and it will be a certified banger as the kids say these days and we'll be here to talk about that and oh so much more next week reactions overreactions, uh and other interesting banter about the buckeyes and college football in general until then i'm andy i'm johnny and we'll see you next time on the 11 dubcast